You are listening to a Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We encourage you to share this with friends and family, but ask that you do not edit it without the permission of the owners. This Bible Talk is designed to supplement belonging to a local church with its teaching and community, not to replace it. We pray this talk helps you love Jesus and become more like him. The passage for this week is from Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 to 12, and chapter 22, verses 23 to 33. Matthew 19. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea, to the other side of the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, If this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others, and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who accepts this should accept it. Chapter 22, verses 23. That same day, the Sadducees, who said there were no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must carry the widow and raise up offspring for him. Now there were seven brothers among us. The first one married and died, and since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. The same thing happened to the second and the third brother, right down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven, since all of them were married to her? Jesus replied, You are in error, because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like angels in heaven, But about the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what God said to you? I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. When the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. My name's Amy. Uh, I'm one of the staff with CU, and it's my pleasure to be uh, speaking to you and a privilege to bring uh, the talk tonight on the very important topic of relationships. Relationships overall made for it. You'll see um, with a beautiful little beehive type indication and hive, 
Now, it's not the typical sense of the birds and the bees. That's not why that's there. It's about the hive being a place of great community and industry and they work together and they uh, produce something sweet and wonderful. There's all sorts of ways we could tease it out. But anyway, just so you know, lovely work done for us to help us think about uh, the benefit, the blessing, the depth and the breadth that's available to us in relationship. Uh, so, good evening. It's week two in our series on relationships made for it. Um, we are going to dive in and tonight... The juicy subject of marriage, dating, singleness, we're all going to get around to it. Uh, Christians can get pretty hung up on marriage and therefore pretty hung up on dating. Uh, There's good reason for it. Uh, It's possible and likely that the vast majority of you will get married. And at this age, this stage, it's pretty hard to ignore, right? It's it's either all-consuming and full of highs and lows and you know, the possibilities of everything, or it's thoroughly irritating and annoying and an unwanted focus for now. I don't know which side of the coin you're on with this, but either way, it's good for us to come to God's word and work out why it matters or why it might not matter and figure out if there are boundaries and guidelines and requirements. And that's what I aim to do tonight. It won't be fully satisfying. I can put that out there right from the get-go. I cannot cover everything. But we are having a Q&A afterwards, so feel free to join us for that. The reason I titled it Fiancés and Fairy Tales is because I want to both robustly and positively talk about the biblical concept of marriage, uh, for the gift it is and the symbol it is, for the joy it can be, along with a thoroughly realistic look at how we can turn it into something that it's not and it's not supposed to be an ultimate thing, uh, a means of our complete fulfilment and satisfaction, basically an idolatrous thing, um, a rock on which we can wreck our relationships. So hence we have our two passages tonight, Matthew 19, where Jesus, in response to being asked about divorce, uh, affirms marriage as instituted by God, a good part of his world, uh, his good world, and a good part of his design and purpose for men and women in that world, but also an equally demanding gift. Um, And it's for a variety of reasons, not necessarily for everyone. And in the second passage, Matthew 22, the sobering reality that marriage is not eternal. It's not everlasting. It has earthly limits. Uh, It's only until death do us part. As we looked at last week in the Bible... Uh, which Christians trust as God's word to us, revealing who he is and who we're made to be. Um, We saw that in the beginning we created for relationship with God, our creator, and with each other as fellow image bearers. And we looked at Jesus, the one true, perfect, never corrupted image bearer, God who came to be with us as one of us. Uh, And we looked at his take on the beauty and the majesty of friendship. That we can have friendship with God because of what Jesus has done in his great love, laying down his life for his friends and even his enemies. And Jesus shows us how to be friends to each other with his gift of self-sacrificing love, which makes it possible for us then to love each other. I believe there's going to be a podcast that further explores uh, the depths of friendship and that will Eventuate sometime in the next week, I believe. I'm looking for a nod. Thank you, Joel. Um, But tonight, however, we're moving from friendship 
to romance to marriage? Well, sort of. We're going to explore it together, unpack it a little. I think it's important that we look at what Jesus has to say on this matter. It can be a highly emotive topic. It can be an issue or a reality that is deeply and personally felt. And it can bring a certain cynicism with it too. And my prayerful hope is that as we look to Jesus to lead and guide us in this area, we can see the beauty and the purpose in marriage as it was intended and at the same time not idolise it to be the be-all and end-all. Now, Christians are followers of Jesus, people who believe he came into the world to show us what God is like. So if you're visiting here and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, welcome, it's great to have you. I'd like to invite you to take a walk with me, a walk with us and explore and consider some of what the Bible's message is on relationships, dating, marriage and singleness and and see what you think. Uh, You don't have to agree with me. I'm just asking you to come and consider and I invite you to ask questions, to check in with your friends, to explore further. Um, That's a great thing to do. You might like to come back for the Q&A. And for some of us here who do call ourselves by the name Christian, well, we might yet have things to learn about God's plans and purposes for marriage and how that might shape our approach to dating relationships, marriage and singleness. My prayer for Christians is that it will help us pursue God's will and way and honour him and how we engage with each other over this topic. And indeed, in this type of relationship, And for those who are not Christian, that you might see something of the purpose, beauty and freedom we're invited into when we enter into a relationship with the living God. That the things that are yes and the things that are no are about an expression of relationship with a good God and not simply rules to obey. So why are romance, marriage and sex such a big deal? Why do shows like Maths and The Bachelor and Bachelorette and Farmer Wants a Wife, Farmer Wants a Husband draw a keen and devoted following and become our guilty pleasure? Well, at least for some of us, that is. Well, it's because it speaks to something that we're all of us made for. God's made us for relationship and for relationships of intimacy. Sex and attraction is a part of it. Being wanted and desired, wanting and desiring. But there's something more, isn't there? It is the desire to be known by another. To be known, to be accepted, to be loved. We hunger for this. To be before God and be before another. To be seen, naked and unashamed as it's pictured in the beginning of the Bible at the end of Genesis chapter 2. But intimacy and sex are not the same thing. In our confusing world where we are often told that it is, being intimate with someone is often the same as saying having sex. But you can have sex and not be intimate. That is all too possible. And the porn industry trades on our confusion over it. Lonely, feeling isolated, looking for connection. Ring this number, click this link, turn the page and quietly read on. But though it can light up our electrical circuit, arouse us and give us an addictive dopamine hit, it is clearly not a connection. It's clearly nothing of intimacy we desire. It's a sham, a fake, a facade, a deception 
That leaves us in an empty space, nowhere and with no one. Don't get trapped. And if you are already trapped, call out for help. You will need it to break this addiction. But God did design sex and gave it as a good gift for marriage. Because in that promised base commitment, a covenant between a man and a woman, a pledge is made to be with one another through the highs and the lows, sickness and health, to grow to know and love and serve the other. In this relationship, sex unites them. It is an expression of their relationship, something that adds to the bond in marriage that is pledged in the marriage, and it's not the basis for it. Now, from what I hear, sex can be great, but it can also be terrible and a disappointment and not at all like the screen portrays it. So, Christian, don't go pursuing a relationship and marriage if all you have in mind is sex. Bad move, terrible idea. Sure, want to have sex, that's natural, normal, but don't make your want for it the reason you marry that person. Make sure you want to marry them, commit to them, love them as a friend, want to lay down your life for them, uh, desire to see them flourish, not wonder how great they're going to make you feel. Jesus calls us to serve one another in all things. So think about how that works itself out in marriage. As Jesus points out, marriage is about faithfulness more than it is about fun times. In fact, in our passages, there's no mention of fun. I'm not saying that fun can't happen. That's not what it's about. But Jesus is pointing out the seriousness of marriage in verse 4 of chapter 19. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. It's for life, a faithful covenant to be kept, a God-joined, God-sanctioned partnership between a man and woman for life. Not just while they make you happy. A hubby is not just for Christmas, after all. It is until death do you part. And that's the second part of the story. That's the second passage we looked at. Something to ground our thoughts and um, help us recognise the limits of this beautiful gift Um, and the fact that we look for satisfaction to be found in a marriage and a spouse to a degree. Our second passage, Matthew 22, verse 30, Jesus says, At the resurrection, people will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Marriage is for now and it's not for eternity. And eternity is going to be way longer than life right now. Christians believe Jesus when he says there is a day coming when he will return and make all things right, perfect and true. The new heavens and the new earth where we will live in perfect peace with God and each other. In the perfect world to come, there is no marriage between us. And that's because we will all be caught up into the ultimate marriage, the marriage that is of Christ and the church. So in some sense, whether you're contented and single, single and discontented, dating, hoping to marry or married already, together as followers of Jesus, we will all partake in the marriage that is to come. 
It's weird and it's wonderful and it's worth wrapping our heads around. We are Christ's bride. Our earthly marriages, as another book, Ephesians 5, points to, are to point to that ultimate union, that Christ will come and be united with his bride, the church. Our earthly representation will not be a perfection of that, but it is supposed to point to it. So our focus passages tonight warn us of two mistakes we can make as we think about marriage. Mistake number one is to think too much of marriage, to think about it too much that it is the one true meaning of life and the ultimate thing and nothing else matters than finding someone to marry. Or making too much of marriage and fixating on the romantic relationships, forgetting to treat others as brothers and sisters, instead sizing up every member of the opposite sex as a life partner potential. It's very draining to live that way and it's actually really draining to be around too. Or making too much of marriage and waiting for a husband or wife to be the kickstart to life. You've got life right now. The second mistake we make is to make too little of marriage. To treat the institution of marriage as a nice optional extra. To be flippant about it and not to honour it as the place and the right space for sexual expression. Or to avoid the commitment altogether because it's too hard, it's too demanding. um, And that's a call that God makes on us to reflect his faithfulness. And we tend to make those two mistakes when we, along with the rest of our culture in the West, make way too much of sex and way too little of faithfulness. As Jesus' followers, we adhere to his sexual ethic, the biblical sexual ethic as instituted by God in the beginning and for our good. That's what we believe as Christians. And that is one man and one woman to enter into covenant marriage. It's a public act and declaration of that promise and commitment of faithfulness. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Sex then follows on from that, and then the two shall become one flesh. Sex is an expression of the covenant relationship, an act that bonds the husband and wife. It's to be enjoyed, it's supposed to be a pleasure, and it can result in new life. But Jesus' sexual ethic in Matthew 19 is also single, celibate faithfulness. Honouring God with your life, not marrying for a variety of reasons, and in not marrying, not having sex, marriage being the only place for it. Single faithfulness as a follower of Jesus in the area of sexuality means being celibate, not having sex. Now, what makes this hard to swallow is if our mouths are already munching away on the narrative of our surrounding culture because our culture is busy telling us, as I pointed out before, it's busy packaging intimacy as sex and sex as intimacy. It's a fast food diet that fails to satisfy. Our culture tells us that it's right, a need for all, and that it's that in that case, following Jesus is, might result in being sad, lonely, unknown, and an unloved nobody. Well, that, my friends, is a crying shame and a distortion and a lie. 
Christian, you need to call that out in yourself and in others if it's creeping into your conversations and thinking. Sex is not essential for intimacy or for sustaining your life. You won't die if you never have sex. You might even live a little longer, according to the stats. (laughs) And you don't need to equate singleness with loneliness either. When you follow Jesus, you are called into a community and you are called to model that community to others. It's vastly different from loneliness. It's an offer of a flourishing and a full life, whoever you are. But it will take work and it won't necessarily always be easy. And that's because we have a culture that's fixated on romantic love. Romantic love is all-consuming and and so we haven't given fair airtime to the beauty and intimacy that can be nurtured in our friendships, in our families. The intimacy that's about knowing another person, seeing them for who they are and celebrating them. The sort of intimate friendship in family or elsewise where you know their sense of humour, you know their likes and their loves and you could send them a message knowing the result is going to be a smile and a chuckle. That That great gift of intimacy is available in marriage, but it's not exclusive to marriage. It's something available for us all. This type of intimacy is harder to value because it isn't celebrated and it isn't, um, yeah, it just isn't a part of our highly sexualized culture. I can think of hundreds, hundreds of popular songs, and don't ask me to sing them to you because that would be a disaster, that celebrate love, lust, desire, or the all consuming misery of heartbreak but I can only quickly think of three songs that come to mind that are about friendship. Are you ready for them? You've Got a Friend in Me from Toy Story. <laughs> ben, which I don't expect you to know, which is about a rat and a boy befriending a rat because he's so lonely. I learned that in primary school in my choir. It's a good song, beautiful. <laughs> Feel it in my heart. Uh, and then an ancient Christian pop song by an ancient Christian singer called Michael W. Smith now. <laughs> And the lone line I can remember from it is, and friends are friends forever, if the Lord's the Lord of them. It's a beautiful line, and it's true, but that's all I've got. So because we are being called to live in a contrasting manner to our surrounding culture, we need to take time to rightly celebrate and highlight God's way of living in this world, both in faithful marriage and in faithful singleness. Both are good and right and demanding. Both can bless and encourage the other in God's family. (laughs) We're to be made up of faithful singles and faithful marrieds, sharing life, involved in each other's life, encouraging one another in faithfulness, in following Jesus. Jesus is our model and he's there to teach us how to live out each life well, whether we're married or single. And you want to be getting your heads around that now at this stage of life. Now, 1 Corinthians 7, a few books on from Matthew that we read from in the New Testament, is a cracking good read on this, and I encourage you to reflect on it. It might get turned to in our Q&A, I think. But right now, I'm going to finish by asking up another seasoned single, a not long married couple, and I'm going to ask them to reflect on the Bible's teaching with us and how following Jesus has shaped their experience of marriage and singleness. So will you welcome for me Dashi, Matt and Esther I'm going to join me over here. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you, Josh. That's very kind. 
turn on the light so you can see us. So just briefly, um, how about you introduce yourselves and tell us how you come to be here tonight. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Esther, um, married to Matt. I think I've been here once, um, it was a taste and see night, um, so this is my second time just attending TNT. And yeah, that's how I'm coming to it. And I'm Matt, I'm married to Esther, obviously, and uh, I work here as an apprentice, so I'm doing a two-year traineeship. Yeah. I'm Darshi, and I've been a staff worker here for 10 years, if you can believe that. Mm, wow. Um, so all of you avoided how you actually ended up here, which is I asked them and they kindly said yes. So that's great. Um, so <laughs> I would love for each of you to share with us uh, what it's meant for you to look to Jesus as you've done um, uh, dating and started your marriage, as you've continued in faithful singleness, uh, Dashi. How's that, how's that shaped you? How has following Jesus helped uh, you do that journey? Dashi, do you want to start us off? I can kick that off, yep. So uh, I've been single all my life so far, dabbled a little bit in dating, just for context. Uh, I think this is going to be a very brief summary, so feel free to ask me any questions about this in detail. Uh, following Jesus has helped me think hard about what it looks like to date well, um, particularly think hard because you might be uh, surprised to find out that if you did a search on dating, you wouldn't find a whole lot. But the Bible actually has a lot to say about dating, in spite of that. Um, yeah, it's helped me wrestle with my desires for marriage. For those of you who don't know, um, for as long as I can remember, I've wanted to get married, and particularly to have children of my own. And uh, it's... Yeah, the Bible and Jesus' words have helped me really wrestle with what to do with that desire, why God has given me that desire, and what that means for his kingdom. Uh, it's particularly helped me think hard about what it means to be single. Um, I wonder what you think of when we talk about singleness. Probably the first few words coming through your head are not married, not in a relationship, not partnered. And it's very hard not to think of something as negative mm. when all the words that we have associated with it are not words. Mm. And so a passage like 1 Corinthians 7 uh, really has a lot of positive things to say about what it means to be single. It means to have undivided devotion to the Lord and thinking about my singleness in that context um, and using those words has helped me uh, a lot in living for Jesus and in working out how to use the circumstances I find myself in uh, to honour Jesus. And the last one, uh, Jesus particularly says uh, that for those who've left homes, family, uh, livelihoods, etc., for the gospel at his name, and I'm not suggesting that everyone who's single is in that situation, uh, but for uh, me, at least part of my story is that situation, that Jesus promises a lot in this lifetime, including family uh, and support. And so thinking through Jesus's words on that has helped me look for the ways that Jesus is fulfilling that in my life, and particularly in the context of marriage. Think about what things are actually about marriage, like sex, 
and what things are, do not have to be confined to marriage, like investing meaningfully in uh, the bringing up of children. Mm, great, thanks, Dash. <coughs> Matt, Esther? We're going to split some things because we write them together. Beautiful. Um, Teamwork. One of the things, uh, just when we were kind of trying to find, or trying to decide who should I date, who am I interested in possibly eventually marrying, uh, one of the things just we wanted to look for was just uh, someone who's a really strong Christian. So if if my faith is really important to me and I want to honour God um, and love him in the way that I live, it's really important that uh, if I'm going to marry someone one day that they are also like that so we can encourage each other. Um, another one relates to what you said earlier, Amy, about um, kind of, I guess, sexual purity, uh, wanting to make sure that we have kind of appropriate boundaries in place while we were dating so just we, we weren't um uh, i don't think we were over the top about it but we had some kind of uh boundaries in place or just a little bit of caution around spending time in each other's houses when other people weren't there or just making sure that they were we kind of weren't putting ourselves in positions which were tempting i guess because we wanted to honor god and mm. live the way that he intended us to live at that phase in our relationship. Mm. Yeah. Another one is uh, just the society around us, I think, puts a lot of emphasis on wanting just to have fun with someone. Uh, and having fun is wonderful, and we really enjoy hanging out with each other. But we wanted to make sure also that there was depth to the relationship and intentionality. So just making sure we have kind of uh, in-depth in conversations about things. It's not just only going out to nice restaurants all day, yeah. I will say part of that was looking at doctrines as well and just sort of understanding um, each other's, I guess, um, church backgrounds and our beliefs that we currently held and um, just making sure that they kind of lined up and that mm. we kind of explored um, different doctrines and why we believe what we believe and sort of unpacking that, um, yeah, should we have not have... Uh, thought about it for a while mm. um, I think um, obviously like um, being Christians it means that we uh, have the intention of encouraging each other in faith so um, that's a big thing I also like um, what Darshi was saying as well about um, God honouring um, in sickness and marriage and um, yeah it's really important um, yeah yeah um, Sorry, you can have that back. Sorry. I've got my I've got my lapel. I know. It's, it's very servant hearted of you, Esther. Thank you. It's very kind. I like it. Um, Matt, when you I just I'm just gonna put it out there. Uh, how did you guys meet? Because sometimes it's good to, you know, debunk the mystery. Yeah, sure. Uh, we met online. So we both we were both members of a Christian dating site. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of, I don't know if any of you have tried them before, it's a bit weird. Uh, you kind of browse profiles and eventually wave, wave at someone and they might wave back and you talk. Mm. So that was all really quite strange, to be honest. Uh, once we met in person, it was like a normal, everyday relationship. Yeah. And it felt really normal and healthy after that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you kind of had to just be courageous enough to get over that bump. Um, can I push you just a little bit further and ask you why you went for a, a dating website? Um, when we were chatting about it earlier, you sort of said there were some reasons for that. Yeah, um, <coughs> excuse me. I 
think some of the some of the reasons were, uh, I, I think it's in in lots of ways maybe preferable or easier to meet someone in person. Um, I just think that's kind of a, maybe a more natural way of starting to date someone and then maybe eventually marrying them. Um, I felt as though a lot of my friends, kind of on couple by couple, were pairing up and getting married, and just basically the pool was getting smaller, if that makes sense. Um, That's a reality, friends. That's a reality. Yeah, that's yeah. a weird way of putting it. But I kind of just thought, um, no, it's, it's not happening, and I, I really would like to get married, mm. but it's not happening, so I need to be more proactive. Mm. And I just thought trying online would be something I'd give it a try and see how it goes. Yeah. And so you, you owned the fact that it was something you would like. You looked and went, well, nothing much happening in my visible field, so I'm going to try online, online dating. And I, I guess the thing I want to say in that is at least you know, well, to a degree, and you can ask questions in Q&A on that, to a degree everyone else is on there for a similar reason. So you kind of got over that first hurdle in a way, maybe, and I mean, it's what people do these days. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. But, you, yeah, people will do their own thing. So thank you. And there was one last thing. I want to get this out because then we're going to close. I want to pray for us. Yeah. But can you remember what you told me about um, waiting and getting married? Because I really sure. like that. Sure. Yeah, that was helpful. I liked how you drew this out whilst we were chatting before. <laughs> um, when... <laughs> It was a genuine reflection, Amy's not planting it. No, it was, it was. I just want to make sure he shares it with you because it was, it was, it was beautiful. Helpful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we, we, got, we got married in January. We got engaged June last year. So that's kind of seven-month engagement. And I can remember going through those seven months. Uh, we are doing lots of wedding planning and preparation and chatting lots about what our marriage might look like. And I can just remember the experience being one where you just have to really patiently wait I'm really looking forward to this thing, um, but it's five months away, and so I need to just keep waiting and keep waiting. And Amy made a really helpful uh, comparison that it's a bit like that waiting for Jesus to return. It's like there's this really good thing coming. Mm. I'm looking forward to it with anticipation, but it's not quite here yet. But I can I can wait for it. Yeah, yeah, and and holding patiently, knowing it will arrive. And you you had said you actually you enjoyed even that sense of having to wait. There was something to expect and look forward to. There was a joy in that. And I thought that was a lovely picture of looking forward with expectation to Jesus' return. Um, that the marriage does that as well, even in the sort of date, engage and wait for marriage. So thank you. Thank you for indulging me. And um, please thank our panellists and I will pray for us. Um, and they'll be back for Q&A after we've had dinner. Father, thank you for being with us. Thank you for um, speaking to us through your word. Uh, thank you that you don't leave us to work it all out on our own, that you've given us uh, clear uh, insight and instruction, that you've made it plain to us how we can live and honour you in the, the world of relationship, particularly in regards to uh, dating, marriage and singleness. Uh, we give you praise and thanks for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We long to see everyone at Monash University know a disciple-making disciple of Jesus Christ. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would love to support Monash Christian Union, 
you can do so via the link in the podcast description.